As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell and welcome to the Athletics England Show. We'll be here throughout Euro 2020 bringing you all the latest news and insight from inside the camp every single day with the help of the Athletics team of writers and some special guests as well. show then and I'm delighted to be joined by the familiar voice of Florence Lloyd Hughes as well as a new name on the England show roster, former professional goalkeeper and ongoing northeastener David Priest. It's Sunday night as we record and the final whistle has gone on England's last warm-up game against Romania. That means of course that the phony war is over, the next time we see England will be in tournament football. We don't know the England 26-man squad just yet so today is more about sentiment Guys, how optimistic are we about the three lines right now and did the warm-up games do their job? Flo, I'll come to you first. What do we reckon? I'm in two minds about it because really these games are meaningless. So I'm still very optimistic about England's chances at the Euros. I don't think they're going to win it, but I think they could get deep into the competition and hopefully get to the semi-finals. Um, but I have been disappointed with these two games. So, yeah, I'm, in, I'm in, a, in a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde situation about the whole thing, really. David, do you feel similar? Yeah, especially from today's lineup, I didn't think we were going to get anything that, um, that we can take into the tournament, really. It more than more than I think you were going to get individual performances. It was it, it resembled the reserve team game, and what often happens is in reserve team games is you get people trying to impress for their own personal you know um, to advance their own personal situation. And I think that's that, that's what it was. It was a bit like a, I don't know if it was like blind date or X factor. I can't make my mind up between the two. You know, uh, Romania were asking the questions of the the contestants, and they had to come with the answers for for Gareth Southgate, but. It was people on trial. It was the, that one space that was available in the squad. Yeah. And, and it was um, especially sort of Ben White, Godfrey and, uh, and Ward Prowse was their chance to impress. And also for ben, uh, for Sam Johnson as well. You know, I think um, if anybody's come out of it that looks like it could be in the squad, then, you know, he's come out of it with a lot of credit to I think. 
Yeah, it's almost needs ICV to do a little show with Dermot O'Leary afterwards, doesn't it? A bit, a bit of deadlock and then Dermot O'Leary can go through and, and see who's going to make that final England squad. Before me and the guys get into the game, Ollie Kay has been at the Riverside tonight watching for the Athletic and here's what he had to say about the game. I'm just sitting in the car park at the Riverside. A few hours have passed since the end of England 1, Romania 0. England's final warm-up game ahead of the Euros, which starts against Croatia at Wembley on Sunday. And I'm struck really by how many questions are still unanswered about this team because the preparations really have been less than ideal. Gareth Southgate said back in March he already had a starting lineup in mind for the opening game of the Euros. I wonder whether he could say the same now. There were some pleasing individual performances against Romania. Sam Johnson in goal, Ben White, James Ward-Prowse, Jack Grealish, another lovely cameo from Jude Bellingham. But I don't think we're really much the wiser about the starting lineup for Croatia. With the Chelsea Man City players only joining up with the squad on Friday, having had some much-needed time off after the Champions League final, there was possibly a chance for certain players to really stake a claim to start. And I'm not sure any of them really have done, with the exception of Jack Grealish, who, without being at his top level, has been the one player really to bring cutting edge to England's attacking play. Even if I do feel he goes down a little bit too easily, for my liking. And then watching the Chelsea and Man City players train in the empty stadium afterwards, I was struck by how much higher the quality and the technical level looked when I was watching Mason Mount, Phil Foden, etc. And all I can really say is that Southgate has got some really difficult decisions to make about how to start what threatens to be England's toughest game of the group stage. He spoke afterwards about the need for game changers, people who could come off the bench and make an impact in the tournament, or perhaps come in for the second or third game and make an impact. I think we can all say players who are capable of doing that, Bellingham, Grealish, Foden, Sancho, but it's a question of how many of those players will start the opening game. The only two real certainties coming out of this game, one is that England's players will continue taking the knee, despite some people in the crowd jeering it before kick-off at the Riverside. It's an anti-racism gesture, and the more it seems some people have a problem with that, the more important it becomes. Huge credit to Gareth Southgate for the way he has handled that issue and the leadership he's shown in that situation. And finally, on the question of leadership, Jordan Henderson, a fantastic leader and a fantastic captain for Liverpool. But it was clear Southgate was far from impressed by him pulling rank and taking that second penalty. Nothing serious, I don't think. No long-term implications. But it's safe to say that Henderson was put in his place afterwards and that he won't be taking any penalties against Croatia on Sunday. So, yes, more questions than answers at this stage. And we're left hoping once more that it will be all right on the night. You're listening to The England Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. To celebrate the start of the Euros, we're giving you the chance to access The Athletic for just a pound a month. Try out all of our great articles throughout the tournament for our best ever price. All you've got to do is go to theathletic.com slash englandpod to sign up. That's theathletic.com slash englandpod and you'll pay just a pound a month. Let's start with Sam Johnston then, David. He he had a a good game and I've got to say... He made me feel a little bit more confident than Jordan Pickford does. Not that I want to keep picking on Jordan Pickford in this podcast, but he just seemed very assured for what was his first international start. 
Yeah, and I think from, you know, you look at the tr- traditional uh, goalkeeper skill set, I think he, he's got everything there, you know. He's um, he's a really solid goalkeeper. Obviously, he's had his time at Villa and he's, he's had a, a tough time sort of results and performance-wise with his team, but he's still come out this season with a lot of credit, you know. He's made a lot of saves this season. And I think from that perspective, okay, there, there was a couple of... Um, couple of chances for Romania first half which he, he expected him to deal with and he, he had a wonderful save yeah uh, great late, save. This, late the second half unbelievable you know one of those where it's um you know you look at the training drills that you're doing a lot of the, a lot of the time it can be sort of like two or three actions that are really uh quick off the mark and you've got to change your position get up quickly and that was definitely one of them that comes to the training ground he's committed himself to a die for the first shot and then he's just got up with with full commitment and got his hands to uh to the return shot which he's, he's managed to bluntly palm away i mean it's a it's a stunning save you could see maybe he's in the, f- the first 10 20 minutes when he's trying to uh, distribute from the back i think his first one he's trying to play out to the left hand side is when straight out the play he knows what's expected in that department. You know, John Pickford in the last game set the standard for that. So you can see he's trying that little bit of um, little bit of range in his passing, which he's probably not used to playing for West Brom. You know, they have been quite direct, and he's probably used to just hitting the ball as long as he can. Uh, I'm not I don't, from being too disrespectful there, you know. But you know, when he's no. when he's used to going a, a little bit more direct, then those passes not only become a little bit hot, more difficult to do, but you don't see them as much because you, your first instinct is just to look forward straight away. But uh, yeah, it, overall, you know, I mean, I think he's done himself no harm whatsoever. Yeah, Flo probably knows he's going to be number three, but whatever happens, whatever he'd have done tonight, he knows he's going to be that number three goalkeeper. But David just spoke about the distribution there, and that is something that Southgate has a lot of credence to. He, that's something that Southgate really wants from his goalkeepers, and Pickford has shown in the past that he's the man for that job, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely, and and... At the World Cup, he stepped up to the plate as well um, in terms of what he did with his saves and he was the hero of that penalty shootout. So he's done a lot to deserve that position. But at the same time, we all know some of the um, errors and maybe more kind of like embarrassing moments that he's been a part of over the last couple of years, pretty much since that World Cup. It's been a bit of a um, a downward slope for him. So it's, it's, it's a really tough decision for Southgate, but... For the way he wants to play, that distribution is 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 so key. So it's likely that that he is gonna is gonna be the number one. But I mean, we were chatting before we came on tonight about how you know I'm really reluctant to that. I don't I don't want this Euros to be defined by a Pickford mistake, and I think that's the most worrying thing. It would be so heartbreaking for England and so heartbreaking for him as a player if that's what knocks this team out. So I just hope that he has some confidence going forward because all those issues and all those moments that he's been derided for on social media and and even that Van Dyke challenge, which you know obviously upset a lot of people and and really curtailed Liverpool season like that that's a lot to go through so I can imagine you know his head might be a little bit scrambled but I think he needs that confidence and hopefully that'll bring the best out of him yeah David obviously is a, a former goalkeeper you're probably well placed to t- talk about mindset he had a, had a good World Cup in in 2018 made himself one of England's many heroes in that tournament but I don't remember him having the mistakes in his game leading into that tournament having all this discussion around him how how much how how difficult is it that he's got all these sound bites around him and that people like us are, are talking about him as a potential worrier? Yeah, it, it can affect you, but at the same time, the level he's playing at, you've got to learn to, to deal with it. And 
kind of just accept it. I mean, yeah. before the last World Cup, they, we weren't really 100% certain who was going to uh, in playing goal and he sort of got the call and, and, he, and he justified it. But the way that he is and his sort of manner on the pitch, that it can be a help or a hindrance. Uh, I think we've seen that it was leveled at Joe Hart where he, he was sort of a, sort of a chest beater before the game and maybe sometimes two up for the game. And what happens is until you get sort of late 20s and early 30s, if you're like that, then your performance level is going to go up and down because if you're sort of always treading that sort of fine line between sort of being really pumped up and being too so pumped up that you're making bad decisions, then, like I said, it's, it's always going to be up and down. So you've got to have a level of control somewhere. Now, the good thing is that he's seen that this year, and uh, read in a, uh, an interview this week that, you know, he's seen a sports psychologist, he uses a sports psychologist. He's trying to sort of moderate that sort of... Um, it is natural instinct to be really aggressive and sort of to be really flighty, just to bring that down a little bit level. And the idea of goalkeeping, it's about decisions. You live and die by your decisions. Most of the brilliant saves and actions that you make in the goal, a lot of them are, you know, I wouldn't say instinct, but it's it, it, it's already in you, you know. When you've got time to make decisions or a little bit more time to make decisions, and it's so important to make the right ones or not, you have to be in the right frame of mind to do that. And like I said, if your if your adrenaline's pumping and you're you sort of really aggressive, really pumped up, then it's you know you're always going to get that. Uh, put yourself in a in a state of mind where you're liable to make rash decisions. Talking of decisions, Southgate's got a big one to make by naming that final man in his squad. I think in the last podcast that we did, we kind of all settled on that it would probably be Ward Prowse, and he started tonight. Impressed with his energy in the first half. I think he was our pick in the, in the last pod. Are we sticking with that? I think so, but I was impressed with Ben White and I think he's put himself in con- in contention, especially because the the fitness of Harry Maguire is still up in the air and Southgate knows better than we do what is the likelihood of Maguire being able to play a part in any of the group stage games because he might be further away than we think. We, we know that he's not going to play in that opening game. But apart from that, you know, there, there seems to be chat that he'll be ready after that. But I'm just not so sure. And I think I think White played really well tonight. It was a bit of a a patched up back four, but I think he was the standout player. And I think the fullback struggled. Um, I think Shaw Shaw was a little bit disappointing. I think he's had a brilliant season, but I didn't think he was best. Godfrey was was wasn't playing in his, his best position, so that's obviously not ideal for him. So it's not a brilliant way to kind of show off your talents. But yeah, I thought White was good, and I think that's maybe thrown what I thought was more likely to be Ward Prowse going in up in the air a little bit. Um, and it'll be interesting to see um, what happens in the end with that pick. David, your first England cap tonight on, on the England podcast for the Athletic. Who are you thinking is going to get that final place? Well, do you know what? I mean, I'd like to, to hear your opinion on this because a lot of people are talking that we will go back to a back three um, for most of the time in this uh, in this tournament. Should we go further as well? So if we're going to have more than just the three games. And to me, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, well, Tyrone Mings, left-footed centre-half, yes, but as one of the wide lateral central defenders or for both of them, you have to be very good on the ball. You have to be somebody who can play through the lines, who is not afraid to uh, take, take a space in front of him, um, to commit players. And uh, to me, that's, that's, not, uh, that's not Tyrone Mings. And, and before the squad was announced or the, uh, the, the, 
the big group before it was narrowed down to 26. I'm saying to myself, if you're going to play three at the back, play players who are used to playing three at the back, who were very adept at playing three at the back. Now, I was thinking of the three at um, Brighton, Ben White, uh, Dunk, uh, Webster. You've got Connor Cody, who's played there a lot. Yeah. And it's it's not just that he used to play in there, but that Graham Potter and, uh, and Nuno are so, so good at, uh, at playing three at the back. They, they, they've got all the principles embedded into those players. They know exactly what they're doing. No care that the other players that are in front of them have to adapt to that. But to me, it's such a requirement that if you have three players, and my best three players, if Maguire's fit, will be Stones, Maguire in the centre, and Ben White. And you've seen it in the first time that you've got the ball. And it's not a case of, um, you know, just easy passing across the, uh, the back four between central defenders. He got the ball and he strode purposely forward 15 yards to the halfway line. Now, what that does, it commits players, it disrupts the opposition structure. So they've got to think about, well, what do I do now? Do I step up and, uh, and come to press him? That leaves some space in behind him. And in the end, I think he got the ball and just switched it 40 yards to the left-hand side. And that's what he brings. You know, he, he brings so much more than just being a good defender. And to me, uh, Tyrone Mings is a very good player. He's a very good central defender. But he's very limited compared to the skill set that, uh, that Ben White's got, I think, with the ball. Yeah, he's not used to playing with the back three. I mean, I've, I've seen him playing the back three for Villa a few times last season when we when we were struggling. Let, let's face it, but he was he was in the centre, marshalling and, and organising and cajoling. Like you said, very different plan on the outside. And that's it. I mean, Harry Maguire is still very good in the ball, but I, I'd like him being very central. So when the balls come in the box, hmm. he he's not one of the ones that's being dragged out. He's always central to defend the ball. And also, with if it was to be Tyrone Mings, if, if in the middle, um, for me, if Maguire wasn't fit, then you put Cody in there. That's that's why he's played for the last God knows how many years for Wolves, and he's done very well. And I think that even if it was Tyrone Mings with that player, you can you can hide them almost with the ball. They don't need to be that involved in the build up. And like I said, he can be in the centre of the box to defend the balls. The other two central defenders can get dragged out wide, and they can be comfortable being out wide. But um, yeah, for me, it's about playing players in the best positions. And one central defender might be. A better player in a back four, but in a back three, then you're looking at these players who we so used to playing that. Stones played in the middle, didn't he, in the last World Cup, and we're assuming that's going to happen again with Walker on the or Reece James actually on the right hand side. But but Flo, maybe if he is going to play three at the back for that first game in the Euros, you'd have thought we might have seen it in one of the two friendlies, especially tonight when he did have the, the central defence personnel to pick because Godfrey could have played in a back three and Trippier could have started, for example. Yeah, it's, it's a funny one. I'm of the mindset that. If I had close-ish, minus the, the Man City and Chelsea players who obviously aren't in the team yet, if I had close-ish to what could be the starting eleven for that opening game, I personally would want to play it. I know Harry Maguire needs a rest because he, he has injury issues and he, he, like England's success is will be reliant on Harry Kane's fitness, so that's fine. But apart from that, I just think for confidence, for getting them used to playing in whatever formation he goes for in that opening game, getting play, used to playing each, with each other as teammates, I would have done that. I'd, I, I, I personally would have done that. But I know, you know, others are of the mindset that, you know, what difference does it make? Um, because you're you're still missing players anyway. So by sort of mixing it up and, and moving players around, you know, it, it doesn't really make much difference. But it seems strange to have played so many players who aren't even going to be in that final 
uh, final squad for the for the tournament. I I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like you you want that practice and you want that familiarity, um, and that's what's frustrating because then it really does make it very clear that these games are utterly pointless because it's just a group of random players, half of which aren't even going to be playing in the tournament. But I did really like the look of that Rashford, Grealish, Sancho front three with Calvert-Lewin in front. I don't think Calvert-Lewin had a great game. I I didn't know how many touches he had, but it felt like he barely touched the ball. But I'd be intrigued to see that with Kane in front um, because I just think, wow, that is an amazing attacking attacking front four really just going at you and and I think we we talked about it as well just before we came on about how England just looks so good when they run straight at players and straight at the opposition and we just need to see more of that I mean every single time Grealish or Sancho or Rashford got on the ball tonight you just saw the defenders in front of them just disappear and wilt away and sort of sink into the ground and in front of them I just thought they were they were so good so I want to see more of that it's like we had flashes of that but at the same time it's obviously because you've got so many changes so many substitutions it feels so stop to start so I just thought, well, why don't you want a bit of consistency? Why don't you want to go with some of the players that are actually going to be playing in what is a really tough opening game? This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. David, it's quite a weird set of circumstances with these friendlies. I mean, the Champions League final now was eight days ago. Mm. Why, why couldn't Foden have played tonight? Why couldn't Mount have got some minutes tonight? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm understanding why that hasn't happened. Yeah, and also if you consider that, um, I think, uh, you know, Shaw was playing just a couple of days before that as well. Yeah. So uh, United players were playing Rashford as well. Yeah, it's 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 a strange one. I mean, I can see that. From a sports science point of view, that you know the medical team will be wary of how long this season has been. It's almost been like a double season, you know. Mm. And they might think that it's the the players who have been left out will, will be will be more beneficial if they just have a rest and, and don't get those minutes in. I still think you can you probably give them forty five minutes 
of yeah. of a, a team that resembles what it's going to look like the first game, and certainly structurally. And I think I, I don't want to say these uh, these games were pointless, but because we've talked about a couple of things that it's for personnel and individuals has been important for. But certainly going in that first game in preparation for how they're going to play, it doesn't really give us anything, has it? No, that's, that's, that's the funny thing. I mean, one man flow that has played both games, who needed a few games because he's had injury concerns of his own, Jack Grealish. People are going to think I've got my Villa hat on here, but I'm actually saying this with, with my England head on as well. I genuinely believe he's must-start because in a stodgy, horrible game like that, which you may well encounter in tournament football, he will do something that will win you a penalty. It'll win you a dead ball that you perhaps get a goal off. I mean, England have won that game 1-0 tonight because he's won a penalty. I think he's so unique. I think he has to start that first game. Yeah, I would agree. Greedish is someone who really frustrated me. Um, I'm a QPR fan, so I watched him a lot in the championship. And he is so frustrating to watch when you're the opposition fan because he is so good at winning free kicks. He is so good. And, you know, some of them obviously justified because he's getting teared down all over the pitch because he's that good with the ball at his feet. But he's also one of those players who's very smart at... Falling at the right time, or he—he's just smart. He's smart in that way. I I wouldn't say it's—it's like deceiving the referee. I think it's just playing smart. Eze is one of those players at QPR who's exactly the same. Wins a ton of free kicks. Probably fifty percent aren't free kicks, but they're just smart players. And I think that's really important at a tournament because they're also the sorts of players who frustrate the opposition, end up getting yellow cards, yep. people sent off, and that's also critical. So that's why I think it's it's even more important that he starts because he is going to wind up some people. We saw that today and in, when he got sort of accidentally or not so accidentally kicked in the head. That is so important. I mean, I would think about when Rooney got sent off um, when he had that argument with Ronaldo and that's the kind that's the we need a wind up merchant in the team and actually we don't really have that and I think Grealish can really play that part really well as well as being unbelievable on the ball the way the ball just sticks to his feet like glue but I did actually think he looked a bit leggy in those last 10 minutes I wish Southgate had taken him off because yeah, the the last ten minutes or so, he looked really tired. Um, he was struggling to to drop back and defend. He was kind of walking a little bit and opening up a lot of opportunities for Romania, of which you know they didn't capitalise on any of them. But there was one moment where the whole back four was sort of dragged out to the right, and Trippier had come on at left back, had been dragged away too, and Grealish really should have moved over and been pulled over because he had a man kind of just behind him like maybe five ten yards and he he just didn't really make the run and then obviously that player got past who he had tons of space in front of him and then I don't think it led to anything and then there was another moment where he was just sort of like standing there walking and not tracking a runner who was making a run into the box and then Johnson eventually saved it so that was a little bit disappointing because I thought he's obviously knackered he's been carrying this team now for two friendlies Southgate should have taken him off um, and he's also coming back from injury. So that was the only moment where I just thought he, he, sh- he showed a bit of um, yeah, a bit of tiredness, which is understandable. And that's what's actually weird about these friendly is I, I felt there was tiredness all over the pitch, which is a bit worrying. And we, we spoke about how long this season has been. It's been a gruelling season and with the Europa League and Champions League finals, you know, for some of the players, it's it's been extended. But I was particularly worried about how leggy some of those players looked tonight. And I, I know it's 
you know, a lot. We haven't had heat like this in the UK in about a year, so I can understand why there it, it, the intensity is, is is gone up a notch. But it's probably this weather is going to stick around, I think, for most of the tournaments. So they kind of got to get used to it. Um, so I I hope that that's just a passing thing and a bit of days rest before we start things will do will do them good. But yeah, it was a weird just this this pockets of of just of lethargy just creeping in a little bit. Yeah, to be fair, you talk about the conditions. I'm worried about the conditions for podcasting because I tell you, with my light beaming down on me, I'm starting to struggle myself. <laughs> so I had to think how people on a football pitch would be failing. I should say as well, whilst you were talking, like the producer was winding me up horribly with some really unkind things about Jack Grealish and, and diving, which I wasn't very happy about. So if you were wondering why I was laughing while you were talking, it was because of that. David, discounting his football ability, which is obviously a stupid thing to do because he's obviously very important for a footballer. But over the years in tournaments, we've said that England don't have that that edgy player, that that, that clever player, that player that can, can win free kicks. How important do you think that will be in the, in, in the international tournaments? I think that for this tournament and for us with Jack Grealish, I think it could be massive. And when you think about Maverick footballers, there's always sort of a, there's, it's always a bit of a double-edged sword. There's always something that's that you've got to offset against it. Well, he brings us this, but what about this? And, and I know Flo was saying there about you know his energy levels meant that he wasn't tracking back a couple of times, but usually his energy in games was really good. You know, he, he's not he, he's maybe he's brought that more to his game the last couple of seasons where he is better defensively. You can trust him. He doesn't, you know, even though he gets kicked a lot, he's not petulant about it. You know, you don't see him reacting. Of course, he goes to referee and just mentions the referee. That's the fourth time or the third yeah. time somebody's kicked me. And that's fair enough. I think that's really, it's really good of him. But I think give him a lot of praise for the, the maturity that he showed. And, it, and it's it, it's not like he's a, uh, he's a big risk that usually comes with these Maverick players. And the fact that, he, you know, you look at him today, the fr- we've talked about the free kicks, Flo said about his free kicks that he's, he picks up. Set pieces could be massive, of course. But also, you've seen a couple of times where he, he's made that run down the inside, um, sort of inside left half space, and he gets picks up the ball. And suddenly, there's not just one player marking him, there's another player covering the player that has marked him. He, he, like I was saying about Ben White, he's a disruptor. You know, so if we can get him the give him the ball, and he can quickly offload it, those players that are coming to to mark him and cover him, we can make use of that space elsewhere, and he can be really massive for disrupting other people's defensive structures. Yeah, Flo, it was Grealish that won the penalty that put England one 0 up. Marcus Rashford, captain for the evening, tucking it away. A big night for him. Nice, nice penalty as well. Yeah, it was a really good penalty and I, I was actually really relieved watching that mad Europa League final penalty shootout because all the England players scored theirs and really convincingly. So that's carried on into into the into the friendlies in some ways for, for United. But I do worry about Jordan Henderson. I know why he's been picked, um, obviously, and England especially, and I'm sure all countries are like this, you know, it's, it's important at tournaments to have a senior player who's a leader and respected. And we all know that Henderson is a huge presence within the England camp and hugely respected by his peers. So I get that. Um, But I sort of want him to be a leadership figure and not much else in this tournament. I'm just a little bit worried about his his fitness and uh, the amount of football he's played over the last couple of months. Um... And yeah, I, I, maybe saying he's a liability is is too harsh. Um, and I understand why he's there, but I don't think he should be starting. And I think if he's going to be coming on as a substitute, 
you know if we're going into extra time or penalties I would maybe question that as well um so I do understand why he's there but at the same time I, I don't necessarily want him to be playing an awful lot no, David Roy Keane. I don't know whether you saw it. He took up a very strong position pre-game on Jordan Henderson, basically saying that it's a farce that he's that he's that he's going to the tournament at all. What's your take on that? Do you agree with him? Because I've got to say, I can't. Although he articulates it in a very different way than I would, I did kind of agree with what he was saying. And of course, England have been stung with that in the past with Rooney and Beckham. You know, they're trying to rush people back who, who just simply aren't ready for it. Uh, just. Going back to what Flo was saying there about you know bringing him into games late on, I think that could be his role. You turn this negative about not being fully fit into a positive. You've got this twenty-six man squad now, so you can. I'm not going to say he's a passenger, but you know you, you can bring players in who aren't fully fit. You can use them in the way that Gareth obviously thinks he's going to use uh, Jordan. Have him in there as that head boy. Have him in there as the sort of, of a, the glue of the squad to make sure that. Um, he, he carries out his duties as a captain. But also, what I thought was telling, I don't know if you heard the, uh, Gareth's interview after the game, when I don't think he was quite happy that he took the ball off uh, no, no, sorry. Yeah, Gabriel Clark tried to have a little bit of a joke about this, but he was quite, he, he sort of put him right and said, now, you know, maybe we'll have to sort of pull rank on him next time. You mm. know? So there's obviously, you know, he's very strong on team culture and that's part of it as well. And I think... Um, I think everyone agreed, sort of, certainly on ITV, that um, if Harry Kane's not there, then you're going to have Calvert Lewin, and if Calvert Lewin's there, you want him sort of confident and firing all cylinders and a goal, whether it comes by penalty or whatever, that would put him in good stead for the tournament because at the end of the day, it's not going to be Jordan Henderson's penalties that are going to be winning us this tournament or getting us through this tournament. It's going to be the likes of uh, Calvert Lewin, and um, yeah, it was a missed opportunity to, to give him a bit of confidence. Yeah, I thought it was quite strange because I don't really associate Jordan Henderson with being not being a team player, but I actually thought that was quite a selfish act. But do you know what it is? And it was. And what I immediately thought of was that he's been out for such a long time that he needed sort of, he needed that extra boost, you know? And whether that, it doesn't matter where you get it from, whether you get it from the, you know, having sort of really high sort of numbers, uh, you know, uh, fitness-wise uh, in the time that you're on the pitch or that you get something a little bit extra. And it doesn't matter, uh, you know, how confident you are as a, uh, normally as a player or ha- what level you're playing at, you lose something when you're injured. You know, you maybe he's not thinking that, you know, not showing a lack of confidence, but there, there are those doubts. He'd be having those same d- doubts about himself that, not about his ability, but where he is fitness-wise and whether he can get to anywhere near the levels that he, he's used to. And little things like this by, you know, by putting himself on the on the score sheet, scoring his first England goal. I think it was from his saying, is it 50 caps without a goal? 50 what, plus, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, it, you know, it's maybe it is selfish for him just to put himself, you know, edge himself a little bit further in confidence-wise from where he is at the moment. It's backfired though as well, hasn't it, Flo? Like, I don't remember him being a prolific penalty taker at any stage in his career. I think he actually missed in the shootout against Colombia. It's completely backfired on him putting himself forward to take that penalty. And as I say, for someone who is such a such a team player, it really surprised me. Yeah, and then it also goes back to what I said about the fact that the whole chat about one of the main reasons he's there is about his leadership and about how respected he, he is amongst the squad. So it's interesting that he would pull that move because that's probably going to ruffle a few feathers and Southgate's being quite clear that he wasn't impressed with it. So it'll be interesting to see the reaction from that because... 
is that going to push him out of such a core role that he had? Obviously, I don't think that'll be it in terms of his role as one of the leaders um, in camp. But it, I think it's just a, it's a it's a risky move to take. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what the conversations were on the pitch that led up to him saying, actually, you know, I'm taking this one. Um, because, yeah, it, it definitely backfired. It's interesting to hear Southgate talk after the game and Carl Anker's actually done a piece on Southgate and his mentality and the way he understands his players and his job that he's got at the moment. So if you're not already subscribed to The Athletic and you want to be for the start of the Euros, you can get the chance right now to do it for just a pound a month. So all you've got to do is go to theathletic.com slash England part to sign up and you can read that article I've just mentioned from Carl. Listen to all the podcasts ad-free. There's plenty of stuff going on. You can also add a little bit of spice to your viewing of non-England games with Holly Shan's guide to the UEFA fantasy game. Check that out on The Athletic now. This is The England Show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with all of our Euro 2020 podcasts and writing by following us at The Athletic UK. Before we go, guys, it's been great to speak to you both. Two things. The first one is, and I think I already know the answer to this from both of you. I'll come to you first, Flo. Did we learn anything from those two friendlies? I don't think so. No. Um, I think it just it stressed people a little bit more. I think it added a few more grey hairs onto everyone's heads. But in reality, no, we, we didn't really learn anything. So it's as you were. Keep watching the YouTube montages. Keep getting yourself hyped up and excited because it doesn't matter what happened in those two games. We can still dream. David, yeah? Yeah, you know, along the same lines, I think we probably would have been better off listening to uh, World in Motion for 90 minutes. <laughs> I mean, that's what you, it is. What you want from these games, or you want to sort of get a build up and, and some excitement and thinking, and yeah. a performance that gives you a, a bit of hope. And, and, and don't get me wrong; it's the same as in club football. At the start of every season, you think your team's going to can do something special, and we'll, we'll still think that. But it's just at the moment, it makes you think it's England, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you talk about listening to World in Motion for 90 minutes. I felt like I've listened to Anton Deck on the ball for, for 90 <laughs> minutes there, rather than getting pumped up for a world, world in Motion. But yeah, I said in the last podcast, though, if you've got lower expectations. I had low expectations going into 2018. They've done a good job of lowering the expectations across the two friendlies. That could make for a, a good jubilant tournament for us. So fingers crossed. We will finish with a fashion segment, as we now seem to have at the end of the, the England show on The Athletic. First off, Flo, the monstrosity was back. The Southgate suit, horrible shirt. It was back again for another airing. Did it look any better second time around? No, and it's one of those things now we've realised, haven't we, that like the waistcoat that became the consistent thing that he wore in 2018, this is going to be the outfit, isn't it? It's a bad one. I think it'd be better without the jacket, and it was really hot. It was really hot in London, so it must have been pretty hot at the Riverside. And I don't. I think if you took the jacket off and went short sleeve, because I think, is it a full long sleeve thing under there? And I went short sleeve, and then you maybe did like a, a polo shirt with the trousers. It wouldn't be... Good, but it'd be better. Maybe some braces. That. Get some braces in there as well. <laughs> yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if this is the look because, um, yeah, it won't quite be the same, I don't think. Maybe he's like lulling us into a false sense of security and he's going to come out with something really big for the opener. I, I thought that. I thought th- this can't be the one for the tournament because it is very sort of, I don't know. Have you ever been to a Northern Soul do? Oh, it is very northern soul. Very northern soul, yes. So maybe as I'm expecting, I'll tell you what he might pull out. He might pull out sort of like, you know, sort of just brush his hair down a little bit more and sort of like the sideboards down a little bit, like a little bit Paul Weller, like, you know. 
I don't. I, mean, I didn't. I didn't check out the footwear to be honest. But I don't think he's got any of those famous pundit trainers on with the suit as well. You know the ones all the all the pundits wear. I think it was bog standard Marks and Spencer shoes as well. So yeah, hopefully he's going to have something special for us for the opener because that that suit will not do after the success of the white coat in the last tournament as well. But we've been asked to talk about the, the blue kit, David. You have you having the blue kit? You know what? I, I mean. I... And I know strong some strong opinions on here already, but uh, I'm not really that uh, not too fussed. Having said that, I mean it's either white or red, really tournaments, isn't it? It's what it should be. But uh, but I, I quite like. I mean, if you look back to the uh, to the sort of Italian ninety around Italian ninety, a little bit later, where they had like the Umbro sort of light blue with sort of diamonds on it was that was quite that was really nice i like i quite like that but i mean yeah it, it's not really drawn any strong opinions from me i have to say that i know i'm, mm-hmm. I'm paid for strong opinions i know that but um yeah it hasn't drawn any from me so far i've got to say i i didn't like either shirt when they first came out I, I actually think i went on twitter and said they're the worst two shirts i've ever seen but since then i've ended up buying them both and i actually really like them now <laughs> flo i think these um, England shirts are sort of a, a false advertising because you watch them on the players and you think, oh, those shirts are really nice. And then you order them as a fan with no numbers and no letters and no names on the back and they look rubbish. So these shirts are only good with n- numbers and names on the back. They do not look good when they're just like the basic fan shirts. That is my humble opinion. Luckily for me, I've got a greedish on the back of both of mine going into the tournament. So, by your logic, I'll look. <laughs> I'll, so. I'll, I'll look okay. Grealish, Grealish double. Yeah, great, Grealish double for me. Got got the number seven ordered as soon as he was uh, announced as the number seven. I think that does us for today's episode of the Clothes Show. So, thanks to you two for uh, for, for joining me, David and Flo. I've really enjoyed speaking to you both, and thanks to everyone for listening to the England Show as well. Don't forget, we will be with you daily throughout Euro 2020 on this feed. We're back on Tuesday morning with a big tournament preview with Mark Chapman, so make sure you watch out for that. And yeah, thanks to the guys again. Hope the week leading into the Euros isn't too painful for you all. We're all looking forward to Friday. Plenty more content on the Athletic as well. Stay tuned. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.